God. This evening will be one of the great sports battles this year. But before the game begins, we are scheduled to hear the national anthem sung by Demi Lovato. Now, what strikes me about this and gives me a, a tear in my spirit is um, while she sang at the Grammys uh, last week, that's the first, and this is the first really public uh, moment since her overdose that almost took her life. But what strikes me about this whole thing is that Demi Lovato represents a bigger battle than the one going on on the football field this afternoon. Um, uh, the song that Demi wrote right before she overdosed and the song that she sang at the Grammys is a song that ripped me. Now, I didn't watch anything else at the Grammys. I flipped back and forth and kept waiting for something worth my time and I couldn't find it, no offense to your favorite person, I'm sure there were great moments, um, but it was either that or a Hallmark movie with my wife, so um, of course, you all know that I give preference to my wife's choices when it comes to the television, okay. Um, but you know, during commercials or whatever, I'd flip over and see what was happening. So I watched, I, I, I caught Demi's song. The, the title of the song is Anyone. I tried to talk to my piano, I tried to talk to my guitar, talked to my imagination, confided into alcohol. I tried and tried and tried some more, told secrets to my voice was sore, tried, uh, tired of empty conversation because no one hears me anymore. Yeah. And then toward the end of the song, anyone, please send me anyone. Lord, is there anyone? I need someone, oh! Anyone, please send me anyone. Oh, Lord, is there anyone? I need someone. Oh, anyone, I need anyone. Oh, anyone, I need someone. What is that battle? It's the battle for significance. It's the battle cry of a broken life that does not know whether or not it's worth living anymore. Now, it's hard to believe, and I, I was going to go through, I'm not going to take time to go through Demi's uh, rise to fame and, and all her awards and accomplishments for a young woman, but a woman like that who is still feeling like this, it's a battle. And no matter how she does on the national anthem, it isn't going to matter to me. What I'm going to see is the heart behind it. And the battle that's much bigger than the Super Bowl that's going on inside her life that represents the battle of every person on earth. And that's the issue that we come to in the book of Ephesians this morning. The title of this message is Never Lose Heart. We come this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. And it 
culminates from the opening sentence of verse 1 of chapter 3. It culminates at verse 13. Uh, as we know, the book of Ephesians is a bunch of run-on sentences. The whole first chapter essentially has two sentences. Uh, this chapter, th these 13 verses, have maybe three sentences. Um, the first seven are one sentence at least if there is a period at the end of it. So there's this extended uh, appeal uh, of Paul that begins in verse 1. It culminates in verse 13, uh, which says, So I ask you not to lose heart. Now, what was there going on in Ephesus that would have led them to lose heart? As good a church as it was, and it is one of the better churches uh, that are included in the New Testament in terms of strength, and there was a truly a revival that took place in Ephesus uh, that totally affected the whole pulse of the city. Uh, there were hundreds, if not more than hundreds, of, of the population that were converted rather quickly. There was a mass public repentance of uh, hallucinogenic drugs, uh, of the, uh, maybe the first century vaping, I don't know what you would call it, but there, there, there were all kinds of uh, sorcery and, and amulets and other um, uh, satanic uh, emblems that would appeal to the dark side of the force, so to speak. There was all that, and there was a public burning that was so massive it would have uh, probably taken up the size of the whole platform up to at least 10 feet uh, because the value was about $17 million worth of stuff that was burned. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 19, verse 19. Okay. Now, we come to uh, this moment when Paul's saying, don't lose heart. So what was it in, in Ephesus that could have led them to lose heart. Uh, and this is something that we've been seeing. Last Sunday, Stephen dealt with it well. He, he, he exposing the fact that within the church, there was a kind of caste system. Yeah. Uh, there were the insiders and the outsiders, even though they were all in the church. There were the haves and the have-nots, financially and in terms of spiritual pedigree. There were a few of Jewish descent who were now followers of Christ, who, though smaller in number, left the majority who were from pagan background, uh, called here multiple times among the Gentiles, who were looked down on and treated by this, this small group of Jewish believers as less than they were. Inferior, uh, undesirables. And, and the background for this is chapter 2, verse 10, and I want us to look at this. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles called the uncircumcision. Uh, called means bullying. 
It's name-calling. There was name-calling going on in the church. Called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. But then verse 12 takes it from name-calling to reality. Look at what verse 12 says. Remember that you were, this isn't name-calling, this is who you were in reality. You were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers of the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So not only were they culturally and religious, religiously marginalized, treated as inferior to the, uh, the, the better pedigree Jewish messianic believers, these Gentiles were treated as less than, than the Jewish followers of Christ, Jewish background believers, but they were, in reality, separated from God, a aliens uh, in the sense of uh, strangers of the promise. They were ignorant of the blessings of God. And it, it goes on here in verse 19, it even calls them aliens, um, foreigners. And that, it's a reality. So what what is it, whether it's Demi Lovato or you or me, what is it that makes us feel subordinate, inferior to, marginalized? What it is, is when we are treated inhumanely by others or we have thoughts that I'm not as good as so-and-so. I'm, I'm not as valuable as so-and-so. I'm inferior. There were misconceptions within the church of superiority, and there were misconceptions of inferiority going on in the church. And it's those feelings that will lead anyone to lose heart. Now, to relate to them, Paul begins here now in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, for this reason, what's the reason? Because God, who is rich in mercy, showed mercy to the Gentiles, elevating them and showing in his own sacrifice of his life that no people on earth is are inferior to any other people. For this reason, Paul is saying here now in verse one, for this reason I, Paul, now, now this is so powerful, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, the fact of the matter was, he's a prisoner of Rome. He's locked up. And, and, and if anyone would have felt less than, or marginalized, or abused, or oppressed, it would have been Paul. But he does not allow his external circumstances of even imprisonment in a stinky Roman prison to diminish the reality that he was not a prisoner of Rome, he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And 
He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. What, you see, this is perfectly within the brilliance of God's plan that the very person who was going to take the gospel to the Gentiles, how could he, a thoroughbred Jew, communicate in a, in a, in a, in a real way on the level with, with a, a whole group of internationals that know nothing of Judaism nor respect it, how could he? But God took him who would not have become a prisoner of Rome if God didn't choose, but so that he could from his prison cell say, I know what you guys are going through. You who in the church feel marginalized and treated like less than whole, less than human, I can tell you you're not. From my prison cell, I'm writing to you. In fact, this whole thing has been a setup so that I can relate to you and you can feel my affection and my uh, the, the dignity of who I am calling forth the dignity that's in you from my prison cell to yours. It's powerful. Only God could have orchestrated such a thing. And not only did he orchestrate it, but Paul had the revelation. Paul could see it. And with that, he, he lets it flow. Verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. Verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into this mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it's now being revealed by his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. What that means is in the house of God, everyone has dignity. No one has more dignity. No one has less dignity. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's why we must not lose heart. You lose heart when you think your life is worth nothing. You guys, you guys, the generation of the thumbs. <laughs> you're, you're in the history of the world. The generation has never been like yours with the precision of your thumb movement. You guys have taken it to an absolutely higher level. It truly is a wonder. But in this, in your generation, don't evaluate your worth 
by what comes back here. Some days you're going to get a bunch of these, and some days you get nothing. Nothing. No, I'm telling you, the Demi Lovato battle is why Jesus came. That's why there's a church in Lilburn. It is the true Super Bowl of all Super Bowls. So what would happen if we in the church lost heart? The only way anybody loses heart in this sense is, you, is if you feel like you're a piece of garbage, like you are less than human. It's the only thing that can do it to you. This is why Jesus came, is to break that curse off of you and off of me. And it's our message for everyone. We are surrounded by people who don't feel human. That's the battle of the church. It's why he didn't just harvest us and take us all to heaven. It's why we're here. And so for you, I say don't lose heart. Let Jesus be your glory and the lifter of your head, the one who treats you fully human with as much dignity as anyone out there. When you receive treatment that, that from, from your brothers and sisters in Christ and from the Lord himself, when you are treated with dignity, your heart gets healed to, to the extent to which now he recruits you to communicate dignity to all people. That's our mission. It's the mission. This, 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 <laughs> okay, just follow this. I'm gonna jump to verse 10. So that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What's that all about? Let me tell you, there is no one, there is no force on earth that is out to steal the dignity from people more than the devil. You could summarize his whole objective. He can't attack God directly, so he attacks the 
the, the part of God's creation created with the stamp, the image of God. Because what gives you dignity ultimately is that God put his stamp on your humanity. And that's what the devil attacks. And so our job as a church is to declare to every demon in Atlanta the human worth of every person. That's our calling. This is why we are here. This is why we are a church. This is what we invite you into as new members. We fight for people's dignity. And there is no greater way to communicate the dignity to a person than to share with them the love of God in Jesus Christ. That's why we have life groups so that the reality of treating every single person with dignity and honor can be fleshed out eyeball to eyeball, kneecap to kneecap, person to person. That's why we have life groups. Because every life group fights for the dignity of every person within their sphere of influence. And you know, I think of this, I I think of, of, of all things, Uh, This Thursday was the 75th anniversary of the closing of Auschwitz. I I, I find it absolutely deplorable that this part of history has been glossed over. And I'll tell you why. It is an absolute insult to humanism. That's the only reason. But what is that? It is the demeaning of a whole race of people. It was a demonic moment in history. Every genocide is, all tribalism is, those are all the devil's activities, but we stand diametrically opposed in Jesus' name. Did you hear a week or so ago they discovered a $66 million painting that had been stolen, I think it was 21 years ago, in the Museum of Modern Art in Italy. They had no idea where it went. And you won't believe where they found it. They found it in the Museum of Modern Art in Italy. Yes, it's true. Yes, this is true. Portrait of the Lady is the name. Please don't Google it now. You can Google it later. The gardeners excavated, uh, took the vines off the outside of the Museum of Modern Art in Italy. They took the vines off. They noticed a, a little door that was uh, barely big enough to fit in, and then they, they, they opened the door, and inside that wall, inside a black bag, was this $66 million painting. Yes. 
And, and so they decide to station guards next to it. <laughs> like, what a picture of redemption. What a picture of the mission of the church. That people who thought the, the beauty of their painting was destroyed, lost, stolen, gone, is right there. It just needs to be found and redeemed. Yeah. It might be in a black bag. It might be covered over with ivy. Uh, but it's there. And it's our job as a church to find it, to uncover it, and to stand like watchmen to protect it. Hallelujah. 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 God help us. God help us. The kids are on a roll this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, hear me. Never lose heart. Never. Tell yourself right now, say it out loud, never lose heart. Tell it to yourself again, never lose heart. One more time, never lose heart. Tell the person next to you, never lose heart. No, and, and we want to say to every child that comes in this church, never lose heart. We are here to affirm the dignity and value of your life. For every student that comes to student ministry, middle school, high school, for, for college students that are part of our church family, to our neighbors, it's our message. It's the message of the cross. That you, your life was worth Christ coming to redeem. It's the message of the gospel. Just hold your hands out with me. Father, we receive the blessing of the cross that redeems the value of every single person. You have redeemed the value of my life. And I receive the strengthening of my heart this morning that my life is worth living. That there is a painting inside me that is a thing of beauty. And this is why we have life groups. Yes. 